This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Be the best at whatever you do. That was the advice a young Ron Tarosian received from his mom, and he's used it as a guiding light ever since. Ron is the founder and CEO of 5WPR, one of the top PR firms in the country. He started alone in a small shack on the top of a New York City building and with hard work, persistence, and confidence, is one of the most powerful PR executives in the country today. In this episode, we hear his story. It's filled with invaluable insights on how to achieve your dreams and take your life from good to great. Check it out. Delving into current events. To uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. If you haven't heard about him, I don't know where you are. You must be living in a cave um, because he's everywhere and he has grown one of the most exciting, one of the most um, uh, 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 unbelievable PR firms in the country today. He has an amazing book that I read years ago when it first came out for immediate release. Um, Ron, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. And you know, the purpose of the show is to really understand how success happened, how greatness happens. It's something that I don't believe sort of just is, a, it's something that's lucky. People really work for it. And what happens many times in life is they see someone like you and you're charismatic and you're in your, um, you're, you're, you're a go-getter and they go, oh, okay, this guy probably just woke up one morning and they handed him a company and that's where he is today. And people forget that to get to where you are, you have to come from somewhere. And I'd love to sort of take a couple minutes with you today and sort of just sort of chart that out a little bit as to some of the things that you've learned along the way, where you came from, how you ended up here. And then hopefully we, as your listeners, can sort of say, hey, wait a second, that's an interesting insight and I should be more like that. And that's a good lesson. I didn't realize that. I'd love to and I enjoy it. So let's start from the beginning. I know that you you grew up in the Bronx. You started off uh, public school, college. You got out of college, and your first job was with a pizza a pizza uh, shop. Is that right? Yeah, go back about ten years. Um, yeah. You know, uh, as long as there's no labor laws being spoken about <laughs> here, I started working at the age of eleven in a uh, pizzeria in the Bronx. I was born in Brooklyn. Uh, moved to the Bronx when I was two or three. Um, and grew up in um, in the Bronx and went to public school my whole life, um, you know, local local uh, schools. And then I went to Stuyvesant High School in Manhattan. Um, and I started working from the age of eleven in a pizzeria. Um, you know, I'll never forget it. It was a um, it was a weekend evening, and I was sitting there alone. It was five o'clock, and um, the guy who owns the store, some kid who was supposed to work there, I guess, didn't come in, and so it was you know. 4.50 or 5 o'clock or something, and the Italian guy who owns a pizzeria, who I knew from the time I was like three years old as a kid, you know, says to me, hey, kid, you know, do you want to answer phones for $2 an hour? Um, and I remember I called my mom and I said, Ma, you got to let me work. You got to let me work three hours, <laughs> five to eight, I'm going to make $6. And it was literally, you know, 100 feet from my house. And um, I started working there. And I spent many, many, many years working in a pizzeria, Um and probably a lot more years in the pizzeria than I did, you know, a lot more hours in the pizzeria than I did in school. Um, and then I went to SUNY Albany, Stuyvesant High School, then State University of New York at Albany. And, um, you know, throughout it, I worked in a pizzeria. And um, 
I did not grow up with a lot of money. I grew up in a single mother household and um, always knew that I wanted to make a difference and do something with my life and get ahead. And um, I guess that's the uh, short version of the story. Yeah, what I love about that, and it's so important, I have a friend of mine who runs a bunch of companies. He's like a real big entrepreneur and he has a bunch of business. And he says to me that every time he hires somebody, he asks to go back earlier. They'll put like, you know, I, I graduated here and honors and I went to this place and I, and I go to no, bring it back to me, bring it back to me. And he's looking for pizzerias, he's looking for diners, he's looking for that ethic of that, what you get as a little kid that I'm ready to work, I'm ready to work hard. And he'll tell me that the person could be 40 years old. And if he sees on that, on that resume that they worked, a, you know, summers in some place that was hot, he would say, you know what? What are the lessons you get? As from I'm sitting being here that? talking to you, you know, things flash back in my head. So I used to hate to have to mop the floor. And it was, you know, one of those old school yellow mops. Um, we had to put, you know, ammonia in it. And I remember the smell of it as I'm sitting here with you. <laughs> but I remember I had to, um, I had to carry the, the, the water. And I would always, of course, spill it. But I had the water and I had the mop itself. And I remember one day I broke the neon light. You know, the neon light that they have. I broke the neon light, and it was like the equivalent of three days' pay. <laughs> and it was a matter of course. You broke it, and therefore you're not being paid for the next three days. And there was no argument. There was no fight. There was no, you know, Department of Labor. I broke it, and I had to pay. And they were right. Right. It wasn't an right. argument with me. Yeah, right. I broke it, and I right. got to pay. And I think that, you know, that concept is one that, for me, was very natural. And even today, as a business owner, is very natural. And yet, you know, in the workforce today, there's not that concept of, hey, if you don't show up for work, you're not going to get paid. Right, right. And, you know, and um, yeah. you know, I mean, today, you know, the concepts are, you know, much different. And um, I have many, many, many lessons that I can learn. I mean, back then I could tell you, and today, the customer is not always right. Right. You know, even as a kid in the Bronx, if somebody was um, not behaving correctly, you didn't serve them and you told them to get out of the store. Um you know, and today in business, you know, for us, certainly it's the same thing. You know, the customer is not always right. And there is no substitute for hard work. I would tell you that, you know, hard work is really what I think got me, thank God, to where we are today. And we're just starting. Um, but working in a pizzeria, I think working from a young age taught me a lot. You know, I think that um, you learn a lot in the workforce. That I think you don't learn necessarily, you know, in school. It's one of the reasons, you know, you mentioned my book, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But I wrote my book because I read all of these theories about what people say about marketing and what people say about PR, and it's a lot of blah, blah, blah rather than reality. Um, and, yeah, I started working from the age of 11, and it was great, and, you know, and it was um, definitely a learning experience. Um, you know, I'll tell you about, you know, I didn't want to go to Stuyvesant High School. I went to Stuyvesant um, and I didn't go because it was an hour and a half trip each way from my house. And I remember, you know, telling my mother, you know, Ma, it's an hour and a half away from the house. And what do I want to go so far away from? All my friends were in the neighborhood playing ball and, you know, and hanging out and doing whatever. And my mother told me, you've got to go for three months. And if you don't like it, then you can come back. And sure enough, you know, I never went back. And coming to high school in the city and going to Stuyvesant was a real eye-opening experience for me in many ways. Um and so, you know, one of the things I always say when I speak to, you know, young groups, whether it's high school kids or college kids, and even as a parent myself today, is that, you know, at a certain point, as much as you love your parents, and my mother, you know, who passed away is my hero, was my hero, um, you can't always listen to your parents. You know, your parents have to guide you and have to help you, um, but you have to, you know, make your own way and do what's right for you. Um 
And so there's a lot of, you know, of memories that I have, but I would tell anybody, you know, that there's no substitute for hard work. Right. No that, substitute for hard work. And that hard work, I guess, is the, really the jump in terms of your, what, from what I intend is your career, which is you start off and you had, you had moved to Israel, you had come back, you had gotten into politics, and then you started to get involved in PR and you had started to realize that in the PR firm world that you were in right there, there was a certain work hours. You, people left at five and you were realizing that that you were, hey, why would I leave at five? If I can leave at six, I can be better. Is that really what got you going? Is that what started? So I lived in Israel for um, a year and a half, and I worked in politics. And um, I love politics, but what I learned for myself, I think you know something which Donald Trump said, which is true, is that you really have to love what you do. I love politics, but I'll never forget you know, living in Israel. Every day in politics, there was a crisis. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's not about you know a statement about Israel. Today, you work for Hillary Clinton. And you're a, you know, I'm 40 years old. You're a 40-year-old person working for Hillary Clinton. If she loses the election, you are out of a job. And the same thing goes whether you're a Republican or Democrat. That's a very difficult concept for anybody, you know, to fathom if you're trying to, you know, your school is not going to say, oh, you work for, you know, your kid's school is not going to say, oh, you work for Hillary Clinton. Don't pay your school bill this year. Your landlord's not going to say, no problem, you worked for Hillary or for, you know, uh, Jeb Bush or whoever it is. Right. You know, so I remember working in politics. Every day there was an emergency, and every day you were subservient to somebody else. And so I decided, thank God, from a young age, it wasn't something I wanted to do. And I came back, and I um, worked for a PR firm. And yeah, indeed, people would work 9 to 5. And I remember I would work until 6, 6 37. And what's the big deal? You work till 6, 6, 37, and right. yes, you get that much more done. And I never understood this concept of people would go to lunch for like 40 minutes. I said, what am I going to lunch for 40 minutes for? I would go downstairs, get a sandwich, and come back to my desk. Your desk, right. And, um, you know, and that way you're gaining a few hours a week, and you know, that's the time to get ahead. I just didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Um, and yes, that's one of the reasons you know, I worked for um, two PR firms before I started my own company. I started 5WPR in uh, January of 2003 and um, thank God you know we've um, we've done you know we've started to build a business here um, but I worked for myself I would tell you I started my agency for a variety of different reasons but indeed you hit the nail on the head one of the things was just about you know if you work a little bit longer then you'll be able to get a little bit more done yeah and one thing that I was noticing in, in your and how you you built up to that point where you started your company is you had said that you were going down a path of PR and you said, hey, wait a second, um, I don't know how to run a business or I want to learn how to run a business. And then you you made like a little bit of a left turn and you started working for an entrepreneur, right? And you were running his business for a few years. Most people, they get on a horse and they just ride the horse and they don't appreciate that it's really the breadth, not just the depth that makes you successful, makes you unique. What was that like when you said, okay, I love what I'm doing, um, and I want to, I'm, I'm working in the PR, I'm taking that usual path. And then you make a little bit of a break and go, okay, I'm going to do PR, but I'm going to do it for somebody else so that I can learn things that are not necessarily PR related, but had ancillary benefits, like how to run a business and stuff. So, um, I worked for my first agency. I want to say it was, I was probably 24, 25 years old. And then it was probably a 40 person agency or so. And um, at that point, I decided I wanted to go and work for a larger agency. I wasn't being challenged anymore. I wasn't being excited anymore. And I went on a number of different interviews. And I remember I got great offers from very, very well-known people and very, very well-known companies. And then I worked for a company which was not as well-known, but it was a very entrepreneurial, it was a very entrepreneurial environment. And 
I went to work there because it was an entrepreneurial environment, because the person who was the founder of the firm was somebody who was very hands-on, was somebody who was inspiring, and I believed that I could learn a lot from that person, and I did. Um, I worked for that person for two and a half years, three years or so, and at a certain point, I felt like I have to keep growing. I want to keep going. I want to keep doing more. And, you know, for me at a certain point, you know, we talk about, you know, unlocking your keys to success. I think you have to believe in yourself. I think that rightly or wrongly, I believe in myself. And my way is not always the right way, but it's the right way for me. Um, you know, I used to joke, you know, one of the reasons I started my company was I hated wearing a tie. And... Um, this year I turned 40 and I decided I'll start wearing ties again. But for 10 years, I refused to wear a tie. Why are you going back for? You know, I'm becoming a, you know, 40 years old. You got to make some <laughs> other changes. You have to make some other changes. I proved to myself that you could be successful without wearing a tie. Right, 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 and man. I've taken a million meetings with very, very important people without taking the tie. And so now I proved to myself I can do it. So I went, you know, and I like the look. Now right. that I'm 40, I like the look again of a tie. Oh, okay. But for a lot of years, I didn't do it. And you know, I joked with people. I don't want to start. I remember once I went to a meeting and, you know, and my boss at the time told me you have to wear a tie, you have to wear a jacket. And I couldn't say no. And I just wanted to be able to say no. Right. Um, you know, people think that that's dumb, and it might be dumb, but for me, it was a real reason. In other words, I want to do what I want to do, right or wrong. Where does that come from? I want to delve with that you a little bit. Where where does it come from? That was it. Was it your parents that believed in you? Was it something when you were younger? Where does that inherent? Because you're not believing in yourself, saying, "Hey, I believe in myself, and so I am." Um, I expect people to come and work for me. You're saying, "I believe in myself, and I'm willing to put in the work. I'm not willing to sort of." So I think that. Um we didn't grow up with a lot of money, but my mother always instilled in me, my mother always instilled in me and my sister the value to not cheat, not lie, but not be afraid. Um, we always, you know, I used to get in a lot of trouble at school, and I'm sure that those who have followed my career are amazed by that or surprised by that. <laughs> I would say that mockingly. Um, you know, I never really saw the inherent reason to follow a rule just because there was a rule. And certainly that's something that my mother taught me, um, that, you know, not every rule is there. Not every rule makes sense. Again, I'll tell you, you know, from the age of 11, I was, you know, I was working and there were days that I would skip school. My mother didn't know it at the time, but I would skip school and work. My mother did know that I got paid more if I skipped school, eventually. <laughs> you know, he paid, me more, more if I, he paid yeah. me more if I skipped school. Um, and I remember I set up my schedule at Stuyvesant to be like from 8 a.m. until 1 p.m. And I was back in the pizzeria by 2 o'clock or something. <laughs> um, but I had fun working and I made money. Um, so where does it come from? So I can tell you that, you know, for me, from a very young age, a rule which didn't make sense just wasn't something, you know, I would follow. I guess, you know, at the time they used to call it, you know, latchkey kids. So from the age of like nine, you know, I would stay at home alone with my sister, who was who is three years younger than me. Um, you know, we just had to kind of, you know, figure things out. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll never forget, you know, for me, it was, um, ninth grade in the Bronx in public school, you know, I was probably, I think we were 13, probably like 86, 87 in public school in the Bronx in 1986 or 1987 was nothing to be, you know, thrilled about. Um, so it was a class of like, you know, 40 people and I was bright, but I always got in trouble. So they used to sit me with like the mentally, dis the mentally, um, some Challenge. of the kids that had some issues, right. they used to sit me in the back with them. You know, the last like week of school, but I would always rile them up, but I would be able to get them to do things that you know the teacher wouldn't like. So I remember the teacher says to me at one point, you know, you're never going to be anything in your life. 
And I responded to her. I said, you know, you're teaching a public school in the Bronx and, you know, you're really the, the epitome of success or something. Oh, my God. Is what I told her. And sure enough, you know, she told me, you're not coming back to my class. Yeah. You're this, you're that. So they called me the principal office and the guy starts screaming at me. And I told him, yeah, you know what? That, you know, what I, I don't think I cursed. I don't remember, you know, the, the direction of it. But, um, you, know, I, you know, he says, well, you know, what happened? And I said, you know, I think she's zero. She's a nothing. This is how she's talking to me? Yeah, because she can't control me. She sits in the back, me in the back of the class. And I remember they called my mother and they asked my mother what happened. I remember, I, you know, my mother got on the phone and she said, you curse them, you yell at them, and you tell them they're a million percent wrong and I'm Amazing. proud of you and I love you and that's it. And the guy says, so what did your mother tell you? <laughs> and I said, she told me I was 100% right. And I was 100% right. I think that there's a lot of parents who wouldn't say that. Right. Um, but I was 100% yeah. right. You know, I think that that's a, um, certainly for me, you know, the woman couldn't control me in class. Um, and I'm sure that I wasn't being the nicest and the sweetest and whatever else it was. And I don't remember the particulars of it. Um, but I don't believe in following rules, you know, for the sake of following rules. And I think that there are certain rules which really matter and there's certain which don't. But when you're going to build a business, I think that you have to, break the mold. I think that you have to do things differently. And doing things differently doesn't mean cheating, doesn't mean lying, but it means, you know, figuring out what fits for you, figuring out what's best for you. Um, you know, today as I build a business, you know, there's certain things I can't tell you why we do it. It's got to feel right. You know, yeah. I always say to people that, you know, when you're going to take your first job, the company is important, but the person you're going to work for matters a lot more. Right. Um, you know, and there's certain things I think, you know, so when you ask where does that come from, there's no yeah. question that my mother instilled in us values that you believe in yourself, you own up to what you do, right or wrong. That is very, very, very important. You take responsibility. These are all things I, you know, I can yeah. hear my mother telling me so clearly is you take responsibility, you do the right thing, and you don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of success. Don't be afraid of failure. I think, you know, I wish my mother could see my success today, but, you know, I think that you shouldn't be afraid of failure. There's certain th certainly things that, you know, that my mother would instill in me was to just go and do it and it'll all work itself out and to take chances. And those are certainly values I think that I got at home, that I know that I got at home, um, you know, was not being afraid, was taking chances and not needing to do things by the book. You know, I didn't yeah. like math or science. You know, today, if my daughter will listen to this, mm -hmm. my children will listen to this, you know, I tell my kids, if there's a certain subject that you don't absolutely love in school, you can do okay in it. You don't have to get a hundreds in it, but you better get hundreds in something else. Right. And that's something that I learned from my mother. You know, I used to often not wonder, and you know, I got in trouble plenty of times for saying, you know, what is the value of calculus? How can I make a living doing this? I'm not going to be, at the age of 15, I could have told you I wasn't right. going to be a nuclear scientist. Right, right, or calculus professor. <laughs> I knew that. In other words, I was never, you know, so skilled at that. So I couldn't understand what is the value of learning this. Well, I say, okay, well, that's how you make, you know, atoms or something. I said, but in this lifetime, I'm not going to be that person. There's certainly people who are going to do that. Right. That won't be me. And my mother, thank God, you know, never told me, you know, don't do this, don't do that. You know, certainly don't be rude without, you know, meaning and you better behave yourself. But if you don't do perfect in that class, if you're going to skip that class and not show up, don't get caught. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, I, but I, you better do well on the other things. I think what's really important, as you're saying, and I, I want people to fully appreciate it, which is, especially parents, especially people listening that have kids, or spouses for that matter, um, the ability for somebody to provide an unconditional I believe in you in your life is absolutely critical for someone's success. And when you look at the lives of entrepreneurs, 
in, to being an entrepreneur, you almost need to buck a trend because that's your value to society. If all you're doing is following, then you can't really separate yourself. And in separating yourself, you usually have to be, or you almost always have to be different. And along the way, there's that internal, it's deeper, it's a self-worth of what if I lose my self-worth? I'm not a good student or I don't have enough money or I fail. And having that person along the way say, hey, failure is okay, or better yet, what you got, which is incredible, which is if somebody takes away your self-worth, then you have the right to go take it back, even if they're authority. I think that's something that is is almost necessary for someone to build their own self-confidence. And I think that that's something that if I would look at the lives of great entrepreneurs, I would bet that almost all of them probably had a similar situation where they went up against some institution and along the way fell down and someone they loved said, hey, wait a second, you're good for who you are. Um, I think you know what you say of being a parent is something as a parent that I try and instill in my children. I work very hard to instill in my children. But I'll also tell you today, as an entrepreneur who's an employer, I want my employees to know that I stand behind them. Yeah, wow. That's I want my deal. employees to know that you know they can go out and do and build and create. And I think that that's one of the reasons, thank God, that we've been successful. And you know, I have a number of other things I'm involved with that are successful. Is you go out and take chances. It doesn't have to be by the rule book. It doesn't have to be, you know, yeah. one plus one plus one plus one, and that's how you go out and create. I think that it's about figuring out, you know, that great song, I did it my way, do it your way. Right. And your way isn't the same way as my way, and you got to feel good about doing it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and I think that it's about hard work. It's about having, you know, your internal clock working right. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I think that bucking some form of authority – is absolutely necessary for an entrepreneur to succeed. I think yeah. for people to hit their maximum, I think you know, for people to hit their maximum level of success, you got to be able to, you know, buck the rules a little yeah. bit and give you, you know other cute. You know, my, my, my sister still teases me about it as my children do today. You know, my sister and I used to go to some camp, and you could only get one serving. And my sister, you could only get two, uh, one serving or two serving. My sister was a vegetarian. And so I used to tell her that those were steak fries, and so she couldn't eat, you know. So, so you know, you had to go, and I right. think that, you know, yeah, I like today with my kids. <laughs> I like today when my kids are creative and they figure out a way yeah. to get things that is not exactly the most conventional way. Yeah. I think that if you follow the most conventional straight way, you're going to be number seven in the line of seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing that I've seen in terms of some of the things that I've, I, I I think is is why Five W is so successful. Um, this is from my opinion is that you guys um, and I've read this in your book and I've see, heard you speak about this is this balance between accepting the fact that change is a constant and also doing the introspection as to who you are and being the best at it. And I remember there's a story that you spoke about in terms of a beverage company in your book that wouldn't accept who they were, and they kept on trying to be someone that they're not. And as a result, they just couldn't hit it because who they were was not in their eyes important. How important it is for somebody, an individual in a company, to sort of look themselves in the mirror and say, listen, this is who I am. You know, you have told this story, and it's funny when you said it because it's literally my path, but except I kept on going, which is um, I wanted to be a lawyer. Why? Because I grew up, there was no one in my family that were lawyers, so I watched Law & Order my whole life and said, this is the best job ever. Juries, Jaguars, what could be better than this? Nobody was there to tell me that that's not what life's about. So I went to law school, and I was a lawyer for 10 years. Um, and you said that when you were telling the story that you said, hey, wait, 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 I, this sounds great, but I don't think I could be the best at it. How important it is 
in in the things that you do and your advice to companies and to people to really commit yourself to personal excellence. You have to know as a person, as a brand, who you are and what your self-worth is. Who are you and what do you stand for? Um, you know, a company who is very conventional and is very set in their ways and is very right about anything isn't a good match for me. It's just not a good match for my company. Um, there are plenty of others who will always tell you you're right about everything, who will follow your rule book. But I think, you know, if this is about, you know, employees and finding your self-worth and things like that, you have to realize that your path is about you. It's not about the next guy. It's not about your professor. You know, at the end of the day, you know, for example, teachers. Teachers are there to make a living and to go home. Now, you get some great teachers, but many teachers today don't care about the kids as much as they should. So the fact that the teacher tells the child something doesn't necessarily mean that that teacher has their best interest at heart. You know, any of you listening who might have babies, you know, when the doctor comes to deliver your baby, that is your baby. And it is once, twice, three, four times in a lifetime that your baby will be born. But for that doctor, it's their job that they might be doing 50 times a day. And guess what? That doctor might have to go meet his spouse in 30 minutes for a movie. And so they're going to push your wife to have a C-section, even if she might not need a C-section. And so you have to realize that that's not that, you know, and we talk about questioning authority. Yes, you should question right, right. the doctor about why you need a C-section because the doctor might say you need a C-section. In reality, it might be the doctor's wedding anniversary. He might have to go home right. to perform, you know, he might have to go home and the wife might not need it. So I think that people have to do a better job of figuring out who they are, of figuring out you know, again, what's your what's your comfort level and what fits for you, whether that's about your style of dress, whether that is about, you know, the type of company that you work for, whether that's about the hours that you work. In other words, you know, if you can't work an office job, that doesn't mean that you can't be successful. It means that you can't work an office job. You know, for me, thank God, one of the best things I ever did was after college, you know, I didn't have a real job, quote unquote, for probably three, four years after college because I had no clue what I wanted to do. You mm -hmm. know, working in politics was, I guess, sort of a real job, but it was politics. So every day, every hour, every minute was something different. And at the time, I could do it. And working in a pizzeria was, you know, cash working in a pizzeria, you know, right. 15, 20 years ago. Um, I could not fathom the concept of going to work in some sort of a company and it just, I couldn't figure, I, I just couldn't do that. And I think that, you know, people have to, what I would urge people to do is to figure out what what's important to them, to figure out what makes them feel good. And for different people, it's different things. What I need might not be what you need. In other words, not everybody wants to be, everybody might quote unquote want to be rich, but there's a price to be rich. There's sacrifice along the way. And you might not want to buck the system. You might not want to work those extra hours. You might not want to take the responsibility of doing all these things. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. You might need more security. You know, it's funny. One of the reasons I started my business um, was because I met the person who is now my wife and mother of my children. And I realized that, you know, once I got married, it'd be that much harder to start a business because, mm -hmm. you know, then you're going to start getting pressure about it. you're going to have kids and it's going to become a whole different, you know, a whole different set of responsibilities that exist. So right. under 30, you can take chances that you can't take as you get older. It only gets harder to take chances and to take risk. And so I think that, you know, the younger you are, the more able you are to take risk and, 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 and you know, take change. I tell anybody who's in college, if you can take a few months and go overseas anywhere, do it. Right. If you can go somewhere where you don't know anybody, 
do it. Because when you're 30, it's much harder for you to do it. When you're young, if you can go somewhere overseas, international, and see a whole different way of life, it can only open your eyes. Um, take, take me back to the moment, because now that I'm seeing you where you are and, you know, where, and thank God the success that you've enjoyed – um, you tell you tell a story, and, I, and as I read it, I, I almost I remember reading it, you know, a while ago, and then I read it again recently. And I'm I'm picturing your first office. You go up the elevator, and you, you're you don't even reach the elevator from your office. Then you gotta then you gotta you gotta go and you gotta climb stairs and you gotta cross over a roof, and then you go to this little shack, and 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 in it, I'm I'm picturing a young, you know. You know, a younger you that's sitting there going, I could do it, I can change the world, and you have all the right visions, and you have all the right idealism, but when push comes to shove, you're sitting alone in a shack with a phone and a dream. What, if you can sort of, what did that, what, was there a moment where you said to yourself, like, am I doing, am I doing the right thing, is this too much, or what was that, the beginning of, of, of the mentality that got you when you just first started, and it was just a dream for you? Um. I started my business, and yes, you had to get off on the 22nd floor and walk up two flights of stairs, and then you'd walk across you know, a roof on 119 West 40th Street. If anybody <laughs> works in that building, go and check it out. There's a shack up there. Um, it was probably 400 square feet or so. And yeah, I mean, when it rained, nobody was like, when it snowed, you had to, um, you know, you had to walk <laughs> through the snow. It was a dump. Um and, you know, there was barely working heat and barely working air conditioning. Um, you know, it sounds like failure wasn't an option. I just was not going to fail. The same way now, you know, we're 125 people and growing, and I have no doubt in my mind that we are going to continue to grow. And, you know, I can't tell you, well, this is our five-year business plan, and this is exactly how we're going to do it. I'm going to start really early and I'm going to end really late and nobody's going to outwork me and I'm going to take chances. And if it's not a good fit for us, we're not going to do it. Um, and along the way, we're going to make mistakes. So, yeah, I mean, I sat in that room and, um, you know, I had a phone and, um, you know, at the time it was just me. And I just decided I was going to go out and do it. And, you know, one day you get one client, the next day you get a next client. And you just, you know, at the time I worked seven days a week. I worked seven days a week at the time. Um, I remember Sunday was like my short day, like 10 to 2. Um, but when I say seven days a week, I mean, I literally mean I went to the office seven days a week. Um, you know, Saturday was probably 9 to 3, 9 to 4. Sunday was probably 10 to 2. Um, and I would just do everything myself. I would do everything myself. And then after a few months, I hired a few people, and that was scary. And, um, you know, day by day, you slowly move and you slowly build more. But there was no, like, you know, magic formulas when people say to me, you know, right. it's funny, when I first started right. the business, I used to get a call from my friends and it would be, you know, they would always give, you know, hey, you know, it's Rudy Giuliani and I need PR. Or it is, you know, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and I need PR. And, of course, it was by a friend of mine, you know, teasing me, <laughs> hey, PR, big shot, right, you know. Right, right, right. Those calls stopped after a few years. I remember, you know, I got a cold call. I started to get, you know, random calls from very, very, very well-known people. I remember the first time it came in from somebody who's a big household name. I thought it was a buddy of mine, you know, joking with me. Right, and right, at that right, point, right. It was you hung real, up on him. Right. At that point, it was a real person. Um, you know, I think, you know, then and now, I don't take myself too seriously. You know, people today, you call my office. I answer the phone if you ask for me. And if yes, it's yes. It's no, it's no. I'm interested. I'm going to tell you no and goodbye and hang up the phone on you. Right. You're not going to get into Straight. a 30-minute 30 30 pitch. You know, and sometimes people get upset at that. Um, but that's life. I think that you know, 
going back to that, you know, office, um, I think I, I like to think that a lot of what we did there, well, what I did there is still, you know, true in this company today. Hard work, telling clients the truth, trying to make things happen all the time, taking chances. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. You know, I smile you as I think love. about it. You're taking me back. You know, it's, um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And one thing that I, I read that you were saying before, and if you can just sort of, I know, I don't, I know your time is valuable, um, but I just really want, if you can just unpackage it a little bit for us here. You, you said that when you, you just had to do it differently, right? What, the way you separated yourself was you did it differently. So what did that mean you did it differently? How did you tell a client when you first, first started? And I'm asking this because lots of people are sitting in that shack now, wherever that shack is for them. And lots of people are sitting there going, I believe in, and, I, and I'm ready to put in the work. But what I found what you were doing was you had this, and I know it's not a magic formula, but it was a formula. The formula was I need to see the world differently so that when they come to me, I'm not just a little man in a against the big guys i'm act, they're actually getting a qualitatively different service so what did you do did you see it differently did you ask better questions i think the problem is if you look at it like that it's not like you can walk in and say i want to be the renegade and i want to be different you know and i want to be that you know different person i think that that's a mistake okay but i think that you know people who listen to me and to other successful people on your program and think that we know all the answers they're wrong if you listen to me and think that i'm completely wrong on everything i'm saying that doesn't mean that I'm right. You might very well be right because my way might not fit for you. Everybody has to have their own formula for success. I I did not hesitate, you know, anywhere I've been in college with friends with others to say you're completely out of your mind on the way that you see X, Y, and Z. And when I went into business for myself, indeed it was I would look at a problem and I would say I just think that that's completely wrong and mm -hmm. I'm going to fight for it like no tomorrow to have you listen to me. You might not agree with me, and that's okay. You won't hire me. But, you know, I remember at the time I said to myself, you know, PR is a multi-billion dollar industry. All I need is five, ten clients right. to make a really good living at the time, I said. And all I need is five or ten people to believe that I can really help them. Um, and so I would tell you, you know, if you're starting a business now, understand that you might not be able to get every client. You might not be able to make every client happy, but you shouldn't fight for every client. If there's a client who, you know, wants the most detail-oriented, if there's a publicly traded company that wants the most detailed financial report in the world, and you're a small accountant, guess what? PricewaterhouseCoopers is probably going to do that better than you are. You're not going to out, you know, you're not going to out manpower Arthur Anderson. You're just not. It's not going to happen. Okay. And by the way, Microsoft is not going to hire you because Microsoft has to hire, you know, PwC or Arthur Anderson or right. one of these big to protect guys. themselves. Right. Just can't happen. No, it's just not going to happen. I don't care if you know a guy, if you met him in the elevator, if this, if that. It's not going to happen. Don't fool yourself. However, the guy who has 30 employees and, you know, owns a beverage company, he can hire you. He can hire a smart guy to take a chance if he believes you're going to work harder. Um, and I would tell you to kind of know your place. I think too many people, you know, waste time chasing dreams that aren't realistic. I think that, you know, I wanted to be a basketball player, okay? And I was a really good player so at Stuyvesant I. High School. 
you know, I stopped playing organized basketball after high school because I remember, you know, at one point I was trying out for the JV basketball team at Albany, and I think I would have made it. I was a really good basketball player back then. And the guy says something like, you know, it's four or five hours a day of practice. I said to myself, you know, I'm not going to play professional basketball. If I want to play two hours, if I want to play four or five hours, I could play pickup basketball four or five hours right. a day. But why would I spend four or five hours, you know, a day um, playing organized basketball? Where am I going with this? Yeah. It didn't make sense to me. So I think, you know, my advice to entrepreneurs who are starting a business or who want to grow their business is to know who you are, yeah. is to know what's realistic and to not chase dreams. You know, in other words, you know, you, you want to know the way to make a million dollars? Make 50000 then another 50000 and don't shoot for dreams. I think, you know, the way to build dreams is to build them step by step and brick by brick. You know, I talk about PR. I think that any brand that wants to do revolution, it's really difficult to do revolution. Do evolution. Do step by step, yeah. you know, growth and be comfortable with it. Um, entrepreneurs have to know time management. You know, as a boy who grew up in the Bronx, I would tell you a life-changing movie for me is A Bronx Tale. If nobody's ever seen A Bronx Tale. Sure. There's a scene in the movie where, um, you know, the kid comes into the bar and tells Chaz Palminteri, you know, the kid is very upset. And, the, you know, the gangster says to him, Chaz Palminteri says to the kid, you know, why are you crying, kid? And he says, you know, um, um, somebody made Mickey Mantle cry. Somebody made Mickey Mantle cry. I'm so upset the Yankees lost. I'm so upset the Yankees lost. And the gangster says to the kid, you know, hey, kid, you know, your father's a bus driver. If you can't pay the rent, you think Mickey Mantle's going to give a damn about you? That changed my life. I never could watch sports the same way after that. I don't understand the concept of going and watching hours and hours and hours of sports and talking about the Yankees or this or that. What value does it have on your life? Now, you want to tell me that you're going to go play sports for your own right. energy, to feel better, things like that. That I can understand. You want to tell me you're going to go play sports with your kids. You want to tell me you're going to go occasionally to a game. But, you know, grown men killing each other over sports, unless you're playing sports, it doesn't make sense to me. So now I've represented professional athletes. And, yes, I'll go watch their game because – but I think that, you know, entrepreneurs have to know time management. They have to know sacrifice. What are you going to sacrifice to get there? You're going to sacrifice relationships. You're going to sacrifice. What is it that you're willing to sacrifice to get ahead? Right. Um, I can tell you through the years, you know, I've sacrificed a lot. And um, and you got to know that you're going to take a chance. You got to know that, you know, to get ahead in business, to get ahead in life, you have to do things that, you know, are different. You know, I believe very much in the power of giving back. You know, when somebody like you reaches out to me, it's not a question if I do it. Of course I do it because I hope that somebody listens to this and it makes a difference in their life. And, um, you know, and for me, as somebody who really grew up, you know, not even imagining, you know, working in an office like this and, you know, you have to realize that, you know, successful people, they're no different than you, than me, than anybody else. You know, they get dressed, you know, with their pants one leg at a time. Right, right. Um, and that story is something that, you know, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to get ahead. But if you work, it happens. But you got to know your way. You have to know, you know, even if you're not a Harvard MBA, you can still be successful. Yeah. Even if you dropped out of high school, you can be sure. very successful. Just know your way. Now, if you dropped out of high school, you're probably not going to become a Nobel Prize winning physicist, um, you know, if you need to have this degree and that degree. But you can figure out something else that can get you ahead. And success means many different things. Success might mean making money. Success might mean, you know, running a nonprofit and changing the world. Success might mean, you know, many different yeah. things. And follow your own rule book. Yeah. Um, and uh, one more question. That's such a great point that I want to sort of transition from. And I heard you say this. And when you said it, I, I couldn't believe it. When you, I heard you say once, you got to define your brand. And the next word out of your mouth I was expecting to be, 
your strengths, but that wasn't your next word. Your next word when you said brand, you said know your limitations, and then you said know your strengths. And I remember listening to the first time when I, I was watching something that you did once, and I said, why did he lead with limitations? Because usually when someone says my brand, it's all that I am. And I think this is the point that you're getting at, which is the, the best word for an entrepreneur really is no, not yes, because yes is a lack of knowledge of who you are. No sometimes is more indicative of your knowledge of, I'm really, I can't do that. And if I go there, I'm never coming back. And if I go there, I'm living in someone else's pipe dream. This is, I know what I can't be. And the, the ability to sort of define that boundary almost allows you to say, this is my playground um, and I'm going to make it great. I raised that basketball story for exactly that reason that you say. I was not going to be a professional right, basketball right. player. As much as I wanted to be, I wasn't going to be a professional basketball yeah. player. So it didn't matter what I wanted. Anybody who starts a business, you know, what you want is great and wonderful. Now, again, you know, if you're Mark Zuckerberg's son and you're starting a technology company, the rules might be different for you. Okay, right. because, you know, you can go out and you can, you know, if your na last name is Gates and you want funding, you're probably going to be okay. Right. But most people out there whose last name isn't Zuckerberg or Gates are going to have limits. And even Zuckerberg or Gates will have limits, okay? Right. Because, you know, Bill Gates' son wants to start a great sneaker company. What does the kid know about sneakers, right? Somebody's going to be better than you. And I think, yes, too many people make the mistake of not knowing their limitations. And your brand is not all things to all people. Right. And I can tell you that we see that, you know, every single day, you know, when people come to me and they say, you know, I only want to capture this percent of this market. Well, great. Coke is in that market. Pepsi's in that market. General Mills is in that market. They're pretty smart people. Right. You know, you're not going right. to. But, but if you can figure out what is your niche to capture a portion of that segment, to be the king of the, you know, XYZ market, which is, that's okay. Right. And that's why I say, you know, as we've built a brand and we've built a business, we know our sweet spot. Our sweet spot is challenger brands. We do much better with B-level brands than we do with A-level brands. Now, it doesn't mean we haven't been hired by A-level brands. But I prefer challenger brands that will work harder, that will allow you to take more chances. And people who are growing their business, again, too many people I meet you know, think that they're going to become you know, the biggest thing in the world. There's a lot of money to be made if you're number two, if you're number three, if you're number right. seven, if you're number 12, right. and that's okay. Um, Singles, drives, and runs, as they say. That's La exactly right. Last question. Um, you know, one of the things that I always ask entrepreneurs when they come on the show is the moment where the hero goes down. In every single arc of a story, what you have is the hero finds himself, the protagonist finds his moment, the catalyst, and then they start going. And then things are going great. And along the way, things go great. They hit a wall. And something goes wrong. And at that moment of hitting a wall, the protagonist of the story has to choose to either fall or to find something in, their se in themselves that they always had that they never had to bring to the forefront to overcome that obstacle. Did you ever have a moment where things are going great, you launch the company, everything is fine, and you're heading down a path, and you're almost in cruise control, and that you're out of the shack, and, and, and the kids are every and then all of a sudden, you're presented with an obstacle that can tank you or can hurt, and you have to almost find something inside that that takes you to the next level did that ever happen to you along your way and if so, so said, what happened you said this was the last question we had limited time how many hours do we have left oh. on this program <laughs> i would tell we'll you that two. um so i mean you know you followed my career and you know i've made a lot of mistakes along the way and i'm sure i'll make many 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 more mistakes i would tell you that yes i've hit many walls um as an entrepreneur i've learned that people care about what you have to say and as you're going, people are listening and people are watching. You have to be very mindful of as you grow a business, 
how you handle yourself, how you do things, and realize, you know, as from a PR firm owner, that's what heard out there is not necessarily the truth. Um, so, you know, recognize and again, understand your limits of where you should be and how far you should go. Um, when criticism comes, ask yourself, does the person care about me who's saying it? That's something that's important. Do I respect the person criticizing me? If the answer is no, then keep going your way. Um, but as barriers come, and they come every single day, anybody who owns a business who says that they don't have problems is just not telling the truth. You have problems every single day, every hour, every minute something different comes at you. Um, you know, it's a lot like raising children in many ways. You know, it's funny, you know, when my first daughter was born, you know, I told my wife, you know, I already have a baby. And as she looked at me, you know, with eyes of horror, I told her, look, you know, 5W is my baby. <laughs> and in many ways for me, I still feel now nothing compares to the love I have for my children. But, you know, in many ways, the business owner, a business is your baby. Yeah. And, you know, babies have good days and babies have less great days. And, and they want know, money. <laughs> and there's something that they want. And, you know. Kids get into trouble and kids do things you don't necessarily want them to do. And I think in many ways, you know, anybody who's building a business, anybody who's working and doesn't have problems, you're going to have problems. The trick is to keep going. The trick is to learn from them. But the trick is also not to be afraid to make mistakes. We make many mistakes. We'll continue to make many more mistakes. Now, again, we've adapted. So, you know, we don't talk as loudly all the time about what we do. I've learned through the years, much better to be quiet as you're successful and as you're building. And that's something we've adapted and something we've changed. Um, you know, we've adapted a lot of different strategies and a lot of different things that allows us to be, know our limitations in terms of who we are today. And my limitations in terms of what 5WPR is in June 2015 is different than who we would have been in June 2010. And I'm sure it's different than who we will be in June 2020. Adapt, change, but you have to always be moving. You have to always be moving. You have to know, you know, what are the limits for you that make sense? What are the things that make you comfortable? And I think you also have to know when you talk about, you know, becoming successful. Becoming successful is so many different things. Becoming successful for some people might be making a lot of money. Becoming successful for some people might be the ability to work from home, might be the ability to, you know, make a difference in people's lives. They're all very different things. For me, I'm very involved in um, philanthropic issues and um, Jewish education issues and things like that that are tremendously important to me. And there as well, I say and do things that not everybody loves, but they're things that are important to me. They're things that I believe in. And, you know, that's a part of who I am. And that allows me, you know, a creative outlet, which for me is very fulfilling and is very rewarding and allows me to make a difference in things I care about. Any entrepreneur who works for themselves needs to find those guiding principles for themselves about what matters, you know, and um, there's only so many hours in the day. So you have to prioritize what matters and what doesn't matter. Um, you know, and I can go on, you know, for a long time about these things, but I think that, you know, to give parting messages, I hope that people who listen to this believe themselves work hard. There is no substitute for hard work. Take chances. Don't be afraid to fail. And when you fail, you know that old saying about getting back up, it's absolutely true. Get back up and keep pushing and keep making it happen and keep trying. And um, I thank you very much yeah, for this opportunity. Thank you so much for the time. A lot of fun. Ron, really appreciate it. And thank you for what you do. And we really appreciate your wisdom. Thank you. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network.
Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 